You're listening to Generation Justice, a multiracial project that turns youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Zan Dixon. And I'm Madhumita Santanam. We would like to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Have you ever wondered what vaccine and health equity looks like for other communities in New Mexico? Tonight, we speak with two incredible organizations, Quay County Health Council of Quay County and Empowerment Congress of Doña Ana County, who tell us about the work that they've been doing to address vaccine and health equity concerns within their communities. You can also learn about new opportunities to get involved and stay civically engaged with our community calendar. All of this exciting information is coming up, so stay tuned. We'll start our night off with Relax My Eyes by A-N-O-T-R, a carefree and easy song. Do you know where Quay County is? Quay County is located in eastern New Mexico, and the county seat is Tucumcari. The Quay County Health Council is a community-based organization that focuses on assessing and planning for improved health systems and needs in Quay County. We spoke with Brenda Bishop, Quay County Health Council's coordinator, and Joyce Runyon, the assistant coordinator, to talk about their work within their community the Better Together program, and vaccine equity. Here's my co-host, Madhumita Santana, speaking with Brenda Bishop and Joyce Runyon. This is Madhumita Santana with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Brenda Bishop, Quay County's Health Council Coordinator since 2019. This volunteer organization works to assess and plan for improved health systems in Quay County, New Mexico. Brenda has brought the council far through the pandemic as they work with their community from students at local schools to focus groups, and even through outreach from informational radio and videos all about getting those needed routine vaccinations made by Quay County's Health Council. I'm also joined by Joyce Runyon, who is from Tucumcari in Quay County. Joyce is the Assistant Coordinator at Quay County's Health Council and has been a member of the Quay County Health Council since 2014. She and her husband of 38 years have three adult daughters. Brenda and Joyce, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Of course. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourselves? We'll start with Brenda. Prior to this job, I worked for the uh, Cooperative Extension Service. I'm doing a lot of community development as well as um, adult education and um running the Quay County 4-H program. So I have been here in this community about 35 years and have um, established a lot of relationships, which is helpful as we broaden our focus for the Quay County Health Council. Thank you, Brenda. Um, Joyce? Uh, let's see. Well, I worked with Brenda at the extension office. So um, uh, she was, uh, like she said, I'm in charge of our 4-H clubs and I was a 4-H leader and uh, just been really um, blessed by my friendship with her and really happy to continue working with her on projects that are both important to us. Absolutely. Thank you both for sharing a little bit more about yourselves. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Quay County Health Council? The Health Council's charge um, by the legislature is to be more of a planning agency that does works on health plans. Um, but they become much broader than that because they bring so many different people together. And that's sort of our goal is to bring as many different people together. Um, our mission is to affect change, and to improve quality of life of the residents of Quake County. Um, and we do that by um, looking at an issue and bringing as many players as we can to the table. And it takes years, but then maybe we get a new resource here. Um, and resources could be things like a home visiting program, a primary care clinic, or something as small as a resource guide, or you know something is what, what the community needs at the time. And we use data to help us determine what our needs are, but also a lot of input from other people in the community. And 
This year, this um, Better Together grant has allowed us to conduct focus groups with a lot of different populations that we don't normally reach. And it's been a real eye-opener as to what some of their needs are and maybe some directions that we go in the future. I would love to learn a little bit more about Quay County Health Council's vaccine equity work as part of the Better Together initiative. Um, and Brenda, if you'd like to start. So um, we have been working on vaccine equity prior to the Better Together um, and trying to bring in clinics and just find the information and using um, our social media um, pages to get information out into the community um, with all kinds of things related to COVID and um, all that when it comes to the, you know, where to get even the tests, because when you're in a small rural community, you can only get things in one place or during a short period of time or, um, and so we were just trying to be informative. And so when the Better Together project came along and they wanted something innovative, we are also one of the communities that had the lower um, percentage of people who had been vaccinated. Um, and a part of that's just because we're rural and if you don't see very many people, you probably don't feel that need to be vaccinated as much as if we were in a bigger community and around a lot of people. So when we this came along, we thought, oh, what a great way to bring some of our rural community, because Tim carries rural, but there we are a, a very um we have a lot of miles within our community. <laughs> and so 50 miles from us is a community that is just a couple hundred people. And the same way, um, all the different other directions from us, everybody's 50 miles from here. Um, so we thought if we could take video equipment out to these people, out to the schools and work with the kids and teach them how first to find quality information so they're not just listening to whoever the latest influencer is, um, but to find quality information and then prepare their own videos. And of course we were looking at vaccinations at that time. Um, that was our idea. And, and so that's what we applied for, but we discovered that um, making quality videos is a lot more um, cumbersome <laughs> than we thought it would be and time consuming. So this first year we were only able to go to one school and work with um, the youth there at um, one school. We also discovered that um, trying to work within a school day was a little difficult for us too. But we did have um, several really cute videos come out of the work we did with the Tootin Carey High School kids. And um, in the meantime, those of us that were working with this really learned a lot. The focus at the Better Together project has changed past COVID vaccines to include all vaccines. And so we've been able to really broaden our reach and we are now um, doing radio ads and we are um, doing displays at child finds and fair booths and all those kinds of things to get a more general message out about the importance of routine vaccinations. Thank you so much for sharing about that. I think it's amazing that you're empowering students at the school and youth um, and teaching them about vaccinations and um, about this education. Um, Joyce, did you wanna add anything? I think the key word in the application process was innovative. And so we said, well, videos, that would be, you know, really innovative for us. And again, like she said, just the, the level of work and the amount of uh, time that you'd need to spend with the students and um, record or re-record or uh, go back in and fix things. And um, it just, we we realized there were some challenges with that. So I think if we're to do that again with another student group, 
um, that we definitely kind of change how we would approach that. And we definitely learned some things through the process. And I think that will help us to be better as we continue and go forward with this. Thank you. Um, before this interview, you mentioned the lack of resources you have because your county is on the edge of our state and it is a rural area. So why is vaccine equity important in Quay County? And Brenda? Well, I think for um, us, it was the knowledge of where to go. The other issue that we couldn't really solve is the transportation issue to we were able to get vaccinations like within 30 miles of people, but to get them closer, that was hard. Um, another equity issue we had was just in testing because the first test required UPS, which you wouldn't think of as being an issue, but that meant people had to drive 50 miles to bring their tests in. And so that was a challenge for us as well. But then, you know, as more and more things became available, we were able to solve some of those and get the rapid tests out to all the little communities. But I think equity is just important in realizing that a lot of times our equity, I guess you want to say, is more because of location and distance to services um, because they're just... We don't have those kinds of services. Um, if you are to get COVID in our community, you have to go to Santa Rosa to get the Paxlovid, which is 50 miles away from here. And we're the we're a bigger county and community than Santa Rosa. Um, but it's just the way things work when you're in a rural area. So because we're so... Um, as our legislator calls it, remote rule. That's a whole equity issue for us. Um, we did our best to educate and to inform as to what was available and, and how you access services. And it, at the beginning of COVID, that was a big issue because everybody shut down and no one knew how to how to get to the help. And so that's where we were at. And also another equity issue for us is, um, you know, we don't have our own TV station and most of our television comes from Amarillo. So we really don't have a lot of clues as to what's going on in the state a lot of times or what the, you know, the difference in the rules and all that were. And that was very confusing to the people in our communities. Yeah, thank you for sharing about some of the equity concerns in your community. Um, Joyce, did you want to add some more to that? Um, I what would just think? say that we um, we kind of tried to address those things with our social media posts on Facebook because we have a, a weekly newspaper. So most of the information you get on the newspaper is outdated by the time you receive it in your mailbox. And so we really tried to implement um, those postings about when you could go places, when shots were available, where you would go to drop things off, um, that uh, we were doing that the best way that we could to reach our community. And that was using our uh, social media at the time. Thank you. Um, where can people find more information about Quay County's Health Council? Oh, that's an easy question. So um, we are very active on Facebook and Instagram at Quay County Health. And we just launched our YouTube page um, in February. And that um, channel is called QCHC for Quay County Health, or you can Google Quay County Health Council. And that's where we've posted these videos that the kids have made. Also some videos that um, our team made with adults um, and one with cattle that is very good too, um, talking about vaccinations, but also some other videos that we've been making. And then some that we are reposting from that we made earlier um, using our cell phones, which you can definitely tell the difference in quality. Um, so that's where you find out about us at this moment. In the future, we hope to have a web page. And I'd like to just mention um, we're broadening our um, focus this next year with the Better Together Project money. 
and we are hoping to go into podcasting. So this is a good um, practice for mm-hmm. us. Um, something we don't know anything about, but we're hoping to find somebody in the community that we can partner with that will help us get that done. And um, we are also starting a project with the um, medical clinics to um, encourage vaccinations of children and giving prizes out for that. Um, We have a Healthy Eating Active Living Committee, and right now they are doing a rock hunt. So we hide rocks every week, and they are supposed to go out to the local parks and walk around and find them, and they get prizes for turning those in. They also sponsor a fun run that's in October. So we've done that every year for, for quite a while, and we usually get a really good turnout for that. And we have a museum scavenger hunt that encourages families to get out and go walking through our museums and from one museum to another. And that's in September. So that's our Healthy Eating Active Living. Uh, We have an Intimate Partner Violence Task Force. And um, they have helped us go into some housing areas and do some mini health showcases for the Health Council. So we have worked on a silent help um, signal that people can make if they are in a dangerous situation and don't feel free to say something. We have uh, self-defense classes that we offer on a monthly basis that helps um, women know how to get out of grab folds. And that's um, really a very good thing. Uh, We also do some reading of some books at the public library that goes on their Facebook page. And then uh, let's see, we've got social media and they're just always busy with everything that you see on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And am I missing pass? our partnership addressing substance struggles. We just had a big event at the end of March called March for More, where we were talking about substance misuse and we had uh, several organizations come in and support that and um, had mental health breaks where people could come in. Uh, We had luminarias where people could remember people that had passed away. And so um, this was the first year for that and we're hoping to continue that next year. I would also like to say that we're very lucky as a health council to have Brenda Bishop as our main coordinator. Uh, she keeps several balls in the air at the same time and does it with amazing grace. <laughs> so I am very thankful that um, that she's the coordinator and that I get to work with her. As part of that uh, partnership for addressing substance struggles, we are actively training as many people as we can in the use of Narcan to prevent overdose deaths. And I want to say we've done about 150 people since January. And we are also passing out um, lock boxes for people to lock up their um, medications or other items. And we're focusing on edibles as well um, to keep them away from children. So we, um, we're just constantly busy doing something. And um, yes, I, I do have a lot of organizational skills, but I rely heavily on Joyce to be the creative person in our group. So she she brings that creative piece and she's been doing a lot of that editing. And the other thing Healthy Eating Active Living Committee just did is film a bunch of videos on easy recipes that we'll be um, launching with our farmer's market. So, we, so we're always working. I want to also say that we have trained all of our schools in the county and they all have Narcan on the campuses. And so I'm just really, really proud about that. It's it's unfortunate that we need that on our school campuses, but it's there. And so I'm really thankful that we've gotten that done. Yeah, thank you both so much for sharing a bit more about some of the exciting activities and important ones as well. Um, I'm really excited. You said one of them was in September, so I'm excited to see how they all go. Well, check us out on Facebook. We post everything that we're doing and come over and visit us sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you, Brenda Bishop and Joyce Runyon for sharing about your incredible work with Quay County Health Council and your work with uh, vaccine equity. And you talked about the importance of resources and I truly appreciate that you're emphasizing how important this is because, like you mentioned, so many rural communities don't have access to resources. I just appreciate everything that your work is doing and 
it's truly inspiring. So thank you so much for speaking with GJ. Thank you for having us. For Generation Justice, I'm Madhumita Santanam. Thank you, Brenda and Joyce, for sharing about the work being done in your community to help keep everyone safe and educated on COVID and for reminding us about the importance of keeping strength within our communities. This next song is Paradise by BTS, which is our guest Joyce Runyon's favorite band right now. Doña Ana County is a county that borders Luna, Sierra, and Otero counties in New Mexico, El Paso County in Texas, and the state of Chihuahua in New Mexico. How is Doña Ana County implementing vaccine and health equity to address community needs in the midst of the global, deadly, and disabling pandemic? Powerment Congress was an organization initially formed by a group of community members that were concerned with the economic and health statistics of Doña Ana County. They worked to lead, organize, build, and believe in an anti-oppressive, decolonizing, cultural, and linguistically diverse approach. We spoke with Daisy A. Maldonado, who is the director, and Rosalba Ruiz Reyes, Community Health Worker Program Manager at Empowerment Congress. Here's Generation Justice's Sunandita Santanam speaking with Daisy A. Maldonado and Rosalba Ruiz Reyes. This is Sunandita Santanam with Generation Justice, and I am speaking with Daisy Maldonado, Empowerment Congress Director, and Rosalba Ruiz Reyes, the Community Health Worker Program Manager at Empowerment Congress. Daisy A. Maldonado is the Director of the Empowerment Congress of Doña Ana County. She's a Chicana from El Paso, Texas. Daisy is an experienced activist, educator, facilitator, an organizational development professional. During her 19 years living in Southern New Mexico, she's been an advocate for community programs and organizations that have put people at the center and shift power to those most impacted by unjust systems. Rosalba Ruiz Reyes del Olguin has been working in the area of public health for more than 24 years with a focus on border issues. She's worked for the Instituto Mexicano del Seguro Social in Juarez, the Pan American Health Organization, Project Vida, and the Alliance of Border Collaboratives in El Paso, and currently works for the Empowerment Congress of Doña Ana County in Southern New Mexico. Daisy and Rosalba, welcome to Generation Justice. Please tell us a little more about yourselves. Um, I'll start with Daisy. Thank you, Sunny. <laughs> Thank you for allowing us to be here for this interview. A little bit more, more about myself. I am from El Paso, Texas. I've been here in New Mexico uh, for about 20 years. I am the mom of one child. <laughs> I started with Impairment Congress about five years ago, and uh, it's been quite a journey, uh, especially since COVID in trying to really uh, live out the mission and serve the communities. Uh, that, that we're intended to serve. Um, and let's see, anything else about myself? I enjoy cooking and and just spending time with my family. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Rosalba, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, of course. My name is Rosalba. I was born in El Paso, Texas, but I grew up in Ciudad Juarez. So I've always been a binational uh, animal. <laughs> and one of the things that I always wanted to do is to work in New Mexico because I wanted like a three-state person, you know? So, um, and I'm very grateful with Empowerment Congress because I have the opportunity to do that. I always worked in, in health, but with DAISY, I've been able to work in social justice. And I think that that goes so well in hand with the work that we do in health. So I'm very happy to work there. I am a, a wife and I have two beautiful children. Uh, uh, my son that's 24 and my daughter that's 13. And we're very family oriented and, um, and they keep me grounded. I'm just very happy to have the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Uh, Daisy, would you like to tell us about the history and the mission of Empowerment Congress of Doniana County? Um, so Empowerment Congress of Doniana County 
uh, began actually in about 2011. The idea behind the organization was about serving the colonia communities within the county, right? And so colonia communities are unincorporated residential areas that by and large do not have representation um, and lack sort of basic services. It's unincorporated. And that's probably the biggest piece and uh, biggest barrier to getting services and resources and, and just, and really living a life in a neighborhood that's, you know, just has everything that you need. A group of individuals came together from the different colonias. So in Doniana County, there's actually 37 designated colonias and they went to California and they took a model that was intended to uh, bring together different groups of people to sort of advocate for one issue or, or several different issues that they all agreed upon. So kind of like coalition building, but it didn't, it didn't really take hold after a few years because of the large area of the county and the distance between the different little communities. And so uh, when I first started with Empowerment Congress five years ago, we shifted the the focus a little bit and wanted to develop colonia by colonia. And so now we work very focused in each, well, we're not in 37 communities. That's definitely part of the dream. <laughs> we definitely do outreach in the 37 areas, um, but we have two and working on three teams that are very focused on a specific community to work there with those individuals and residents. and. Um, to develop a plan, to uh, you know, create a team, to come together, what, what do we need here, right? What is necessary here to live a good life? Um, and so right now, and again, because of COVID, it, the need for, so, you know, just the need for resources and services out in these little areas um, is just, it's tremendous. I really think that it should be a right to have access to resources, no matter where you live, I just really appreciate all the work that you both are doing and that the Empowerment Congress of Doniana County is doing. Uh, Rosalva, uh, what are some of the resources that you guys offer at Empowerment Congress of Doniana County? The resources that we have is our people, no? Um, Daisy has a team of, of community organizers that are, are excellent and they're the ones that are give a training and they create leadership among the community so they will get to the point that they have their voice and they can determine what they want to do and they can work on it no and then we have uh, another branch of us that's working with children no uh that uh, how do you express yourself when you're so young no so it's through art they have a teacher the art that they do is they're given information about social justice so, and then at the end of the course, and they create uh, murals in different points in the city. Um, and then the other arm that we have is a community health worker. And, and what we do is that we act as a bridge of what is a promotora, that she is a bridge between the community and uh, to put them in touch with the health services or the resources that they need in order to have to live better and have healthier lives. And we're a little outfit, but I think that we do a lot of things and and um and we're growing and i think the the work is so important because there's such a huge need you were saying that um uh, health should be a right less than 30% of the population do not have access to healthcare no and then if you do have access to healthcare but then you don't have clinics you don't have ambulances you don't have uh uh, uh prenatal care you know so I love that you mentioned the focus on art to inform and educate the community. And I think that can just be so impactful and so empowering um, and informational in conveying social justice movements. And so I, I really love that you guys are doing that. Daisy, would you be able to tell us about the vaccine equity work that uh, Empowerment Congress has been doing as part of the Better Together initiative? Uh, as Rosalva said, just in terms of what, what were the needs and in terms of health, right? There's, there's no clinics, there's no hospitals, there's just a few doctor's offices that folks have access to in the colonia communities. And so when COVID first hit, right, and everybody had to stay home, 
our communities were very isolated. I mean, we were isolated, right? We had, everybody had to stay home and we couldn't go out. And, and so we sought out some funding though, to reach out into these colonias because otherwise nobody's going to go knock on their doors. Nobody's going to take a vaccine clinic to those communities. And as it stands, like the De New Mexico Department of Health, they have some uh, pocket uh, branch, you know, offices in the colonias. Um, but, you know, they have like limited hours and they were asking people, you know, register on this website <laughs> to get a vaccine. You know, that's not the vernacular of our community, you know, asking them to go website. First of all, you know, lots of people don't have Internet in the in the colonial communities. And if they do, it's just on their phone. So then get on your phone and now, you know, navigate this complicated website. Um, and so we decided to go ahead and work with community health workers, promotoras, to reach into the colonias, to bring the information needed, right, about COVID itself, and then about how to access the vaccine. Um, and then from there, we've expanded. And so received further funding from the New Mexico Department of Health, you know, through the CDC, which is awesome to continue to do this outreach. And then with Better Together, continue to, to, to take the message of, why the you know vaccines and their importance, but then also host vaccine clinic. And so a partnership with a contractor with New Mexico Department of Health, you know, we're going into communities again where there isn't um, commercial pharmacies, and they do have clinics. <laughs> they're sliding scale clinics, um, but you have to be a patient at these clinics in order to get services there. You know, if someone doesn't get services at that clinic, there's no other pharmacy available. Where are they going to get a vaccine? And so Empowerment Congress has really stepped in that space to say, we're going to go to the people, right? And we're going to go to where the people are. Again, with Rosada really leading the way, but we have really impacted mm -hmm. meeting that way. Yes, and, and it's so important because in the beginning, it was to convince people to get the vaccine, no? But, okay, so maybe we're there in the community and we convince somebody, but then there's no clinic, there's no pharmacy, there's no Walgreens where they can do it, no? Uh, there's some local sites, uh, like there's a Clica uh, La Familia, where they can have vaccines, but it's certain days and you have to be part of the clinic and stuff like that, no? Through the Department of Health with Better Together, um, and then the actual the the group is Premier Health Group, um, and they're the ones that apply the vaccines. No, so what we did is that we would find where local agencies that wanted to host them. No, so uh, so last year we were able to do, and I'm gonna say Daisy, we did like 20, 20 vaccines last year, 20 clinic vaccines. And from there, we were able to vaccinate nine, 296 people, no? And we only had two sites, and that was mainly in Sunland Park and in Anthony. And we're really excited because in this 2023, we have seven sites that are vaccinating, no? Downfall is that there's other, there are some places that... Um, right now vaccine because they're they're gonna they're saying now that it's not, that it's gone que no se que, but it really is not so our numbers some in some instances numbers have gone down but we still have done close to 200 this year uh, uh we're in different in different sites so it's been very very uh, uh organizing and setting it up and but I think that, and and to you, it, it could see, or to our audience, you could say, oh, nomás only 200 and that's nothing. Well, yeah, it is. But otherwise, these people in these colonias would not have it. So, of course, we want more. I mean, there's a lot of uh, vaccine hesitance, and, and we've, we've encountered it quite a bit. And... Uh, and we just keep on and working and talking and 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 trying to give people the information in order for them to to make their 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 decisions. No, so that's what we're constantly doing. Yeah. Wow. No, I I don't think that two hundred is a small number. I think <laughs> any amount of people who are vaccinated is great. Uh, and I appreciate that you both shed some light on where some of the holes are within the systems and giving resources to folks that are not close to like grocery stores or pharmacies or uh, vaccine clinics. And 
just sort of talking about how do we bring the resources to these people rather than forcing them to seek them out when they may not be as accessible. So I really appreciate both of you touching on that. So why do you both think it's important to focus on vaccine equity in New Mexico? I'll start with uh, Daisy. I'm an economist at heart. <laughs> and so in order to have like a healthy, you know, workforce for people, you know, people to show up and, and, or, you know, just from the economic standpoint, you know, if we want a healthy economy, well, we need healthy people. Um, and so if we don't, uh, if we're going backwards, you know, Rosado mentioned that earlier, if we're going backwards and people are getting less and less vaccinated, not only COVID, but other, you know, against other diseases, then as it stands, you know, New Mexico's economy needs a lot of support and we need a healthy workforce. Um, then, then we're just, we're also gonna go backwards in terms of, you know, our state. And so not only that, but I also think every, you know, we also do a lot of policy work and every child deserves the best chance um, in order to grow up and be healthy and, you know, um, cared for well and educated, you know, to have like a successful life. So not only a child born here in New Mexico, but any, anybody coming to New Mexico, they deserve, you know, any child deserves that. And I think vaccines are, are part of, a part of that um, aspect of, of having access to a healthy um, and equitable life. Because again, we're just going to be more moving backwards, and there's, we're not necessarily as New Mexicans going to bring polio, to, you know, or the polio is not going to pop up in our state. Um, but people visiting here, right, or if we're visiting somewhere else, and then we're going to bring it back to our children. And if they're not vaccinated against such a disease that was at this point, you know, sort of eradicated, then uh, we're not giving them their best chance. And so I, that's why I believe that vaccines really, um, not only, you know, in terms of initiation, but participation, everybody from, you know, zero to a hundred, if you're alive and you're in New Mexico, get vaccinated against COVID and any other vaccine that's needed um, to, to really live a healthy life. Yeah. Vaccines are really important, and uh, I really like the point you brought up about having an health, a healthy economy is having healthy people, and uh, yeah, I really like that point. Rosalba, would you like to remind us where people can find more information about Empowerment Congress of Doniana County? Uh, yes, we have a webpage, we have a, a YouTube channel, we have a a Facebook page, Instagram, and um, it's uh, Empower and M. No, it's everything is Empower and M. So in and in, in those different um um in th those different platforms. So the jump from it, if if the people don't have the the defense, which are the vaccines, this could be very tragic, you know. So it it's so important that everybody has. Uh, uh, health, you know, but also the opportunity to have education because it's not just one thing. It's the social determinants of health, you know, it's education, it's, it's, it's information, it's health, it's going to the doctor, is having running water, is having sewage, it's having, I mean, oh my God, you know, so, um, and go to the colonias, the streets are not paved, they don't have, they don't have parks to, oh, let's let everybody be healthier, let's exercise, there's nowhere to walk, you know, or it's, it's, you're, you're gonna uh, hit a rock, or they, somebody can run you over, so I think that these things, other, uh, or other, places they take it for granted and here it's not for granted you know because a community can thrive if you have your basic needs filled so in these colonias if your basic needs are not filled how are you going to thrive so that's so important that this this type of, of of work that we're doing right now that we're doing the community development and we're doing health that's what of, of what Daisy was saying about you have to look at each person holistically that they have all their needs in order to be able, what do we want? We want thriving, smart, healthy people because if you don't have a, a, a healthy population, you're going to have people that are going to be uh, sick 
for a long time or worse, they're going to die prematurely. And how much does, I mean, here, because we're in a capitalist country, how much money does that represent? You know, but, but really it's, it's the human cost, you know, of, of, of a family you can go to another um, issue that's mental health también, that we're yeah. talking about the impact. And I don't know when we're going to talk about the impact of COVID, um, it's, it's, we're, we're, we've, thank God we were able to survive it, but how many people did not survive it and right. why did they not survive it? That's the other question, you know? Um, and then what's going to happen to the people that got COVID and they're saying that the short, their life expectancy is going to be shortened, you know? So, so I think that, that these are very serious, uh, issues that people, if they're feeling right or they feel okay, they don't they don't think about it you know and i think that yeah. thank you for the opportunity because let's let's make people think and what are they going to do what's going to happen if i die what is what is going to happen to my wife and family or what is going to happen to my husband and and the kids because these are very real issues right and i think your point about people being able to have access to resources, if their if their basic needs are not being met, there's a problem because having having access to your basic needs is a right. It it shouldn't be yeah. debatable. I think. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that either of you would like to add? Yes, Sunny. If I could add, I um. So in terms of empowerment, Congress and bringing resources to the community. The other role that Empowerment Congress plays is talking to elected officials and, you know, talking to legislators and really, um, and it's so interesting because sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, elected officials won't listen to, you know, everyday New Mexicans, but because yeah. we have a title and because we have an organization, they're, the, they're going to listen to us. But I live in the city of Las Cruces, okay, and so we serve the whole of Adoniana County which is about 218,000 people, a population, with a little over 100,000 living here in Las Cruces. So then the other 100,000 actually live outside the city limits in these designated colonias. Now, the only hospitals that exist in the county are in Las Cruces. So if anybody ever need, has an emergency, they have to come here, right? Yeah. However, we also border, you know, Mexico and Texas. So the major, the next major city next to us is El Paso, Texas. And that's where I grew up. That's where, you know, Rosalba grew up. Um, and so what we've seen is that people who are critical and they need emergency services, it's actually faster for them. They can get services faster if they go to Texas, right? Instead of having to travel to Las Cruces. Yeah, so in the Southern, so South of Las Cruces, it's actually quicker to go to Texas than to come to Las Cruces. Now, the reason why I wanted to tell this story is because um, for individuals who are on the state Medicaid, right, they get their services completely paid for through Medicaid. However, it's based on state funding. So they, okay. can, they can go to Texas to receive the emergency services, but they can only stay in a Texas hospital for one week. And after oh. that one, yeah, and after that one week, they have to be transported to a New Mexico hospital. Now, this is where the issue is, is we have, we know of cases where people have been so critical that after a week of, well, they've been so critical that they can't leave the hospital, they need to stay in the hospital yeah. to receive those services, but they have to come to a New Mexico hospital. So there's an ambulance that will go to Texas, pick them up, and then drive them back here to Las Cruces which can be anything from, you know, depending on where they are in, in, in Texas, it can be, you know, um, an hour to an hour and a half, I think, depending, yeah. you know, again, where the hospital is located and, and what's needed to bring them here. And again, like I said, we know of some cases though that people have been so critical that they've actually passed away in transit. So they've passed away oh gosh. in the ambulance trying to get to a New Mexico hospital. And so 
this is unconscionable. This is intense. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the local government, the county government, the state government, like really, really, really needs to take this seriously in terms of, yeah. in terms of the health aspect, because there's no way that it's okay for New Mexicans to die because they don't, they're not close enough to a hospital. Oh yeah. That, oh, that's so not right. And the same goes for, for, for patients that are, that have their babies. There's no hospital and they have to travel. And if somebody, some, God forbid, something bad happens or you have a complication, you might not make it, you know? So having to worry about that is like, well, that should not be something that you're worried yeah. about, you know, for God's sake, this is the United States. And, and, and yes, we have the colonias, but I think that it's, it's, it's national. I mean, there's a, a rural mm -hmm. areas in other states that are living the same problems, you know, the system is not working. I mean, really, it's not working and we need to change it when you have the, the spectrum that there's people that have no insurance or that have no ambulance or they die in transit. I mean, there's, you're talking about your program is about social justice. Where is the justice in that? Yeah, um, there's systematic change like needs to happen so that more people don't die just through transit coming to a New Mexican hospital. That's, no, it, it shouldn't happen. I think that you guys both bring up some really great points about the way that the system needs to change and how do we change that system? Okay, yeah, cool. Um, Thank you so much, both, both of you for speaking with me. Um, and I just, I feel that it's, it's all rooted in the fact that we care so much about our communities and they shouldn't have to suffer. They shouldn't have to have the bare minimum. They should have access to resources. It should be a right. And I really feel that your work really goes to the heart of allowing and giving New Mexicans equitable resources or trying to bring those equitable resources to them. Um, and I really appreciate all of what you both are doing and for speaking with Generation Justice today. Thank you, Sunny. I really appreciate this opportunity and um, yeah, and, and thank you just for, for your liberty and allowing us to, to say so much about our work and, and what we're doing here in the South. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Daisy A. Maldonado and Rosalba Ruiz Reyes for sharing about your incredible work. I appreciate that you both shared about some of the resources and services that you offer, as well as the importance of providing these resources and services for our smaller communities. I'm thankful for everything that you're doing to uplift our people. Thank you, Daisy and Rosalba, for speaking about the importance of uplifting our communities and making sure that people get the resources and opportunities that everyone deserves, regardless of their socioeconomic status. Welcome to our community calendar. This is an opportunity for you and your loved ones to get involved and participate in what's happening in our New Mexico community. Here are some events that we would like you to be aware of. The Cuesta Creative Council is having an art market through September 30th. The group of regional artists are involved in pottery, jewelry, painting, woodworking, leatherwork, and textile making. The market happens every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Cuesta Farmer's Market site, located at 1NM38, Cuesta, New Mexico. It's right next to the Cuesta Farmer's Market and the Cuesta Visitor Center. For more information on, about this event, you can call 575-586-5658 or email lynn at cuestaedf.com. Once again, you can call 575 586-5658 and contact Lynn at cuestaedf.com if you'd like to learn more about this art market. What else is happening in our community? An outdoor music series presented by Los Poblanos Historic Inn and Organic Farm is bringing you local musicians every Thursday evening between now and October. 
This coming Thursday will feature music from local artist Tony Morgan from 6 to 8 p.m. at 4803 Rio Grande Boulevard, Los Ranchos, New Mexico. For more information or inquiries, you can contact ambassador at lospoblanos.com or call 505-344-9297. That's right. You can email ambassador at lospoblanos.com or call 505-344-9297 for more information. What else can we look forward to? Site Santa Fe is having an open celebration for the works of artist Bruce Nauman with the piece His Mark and Rachel Rose with the piece Goodnight Moon. This opening celebration will take place at 1606 Paseo de Peralta, Santa Fe from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. on June 2nd. To learn more information about this event, you can email info at sitesantafe.org or call 505-989-1199. That's info at sitesantafe.org or call 505-989-1199. The Harwood Museum of Art has been open for 100 years as a center, and to celebrate, they're hosting their Harwood 100 block party on June 3rd. Celebrate with performances, art making, enjoy food from local food vendors and creative activities from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 238 Ladao Street in Taos, New Mexico. If you would like to learn more about all the fun that's happening, you can email info at harwoodmuseum.org or call 575-758-9826. Once again, you can contact info at harwoodmuseum.org or call 575-758-9826. Thank you for tuning in to our community calendar. We hope that this is giving you some opportunities to get involved in your community. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of information, empowerment, and community health. We'd like to thank our guests, Brenda Bishop, Joyce Runyon, Daisy A. Maldonado, and Rosalba Ruiz-Reyes for sharing their work and their wisdom. We'd also like to thank our interviewers, Madamita and Sonandita Santana. This hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael and Barbara Ramirez with production assistance from Sonandita Santana. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau through the Better Together program and Office of School and Adolescent Health. As well as the city of Albuquerque, Race Forward, Media Justice, and of course all of you. Contribute to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by POD. I'm Madumita Santanam. And I'm Zan Dixon. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, New Mexico, and stay safe.